You know, there are different reasons why you're here this morning. Because Christianity plays itself out in lives differently depending on the different people that we are. And so I wanted you to ask the question this morning about why exactly it is that you're here. And let me give you some examples of why people might be here. Some people could be here because this is like fire insurance. Just in case you die, and there really is a God, and there really is a hell, you've got it. And you're going to church, and that's like paying a premium. And so you're covered in case you die, and there really is a hell. I'm not sure that's a great reason to be here this morning, but it is one reason I think that drives people to church sometimes. Some people come here as a source of hopefulness in a world of despair. You hope God has good answers. And you came this morning hoping to find some. Some people come here because it's a way of dealing with their guilt. People just feel guilty about the things they've done. And this is a way to get rid of some of that guilt. Some people come here because it's a way of social interaction and being included in things. And maybe otherwise they would be excluded. So they come here to be included. Some people come here because it's a means of financial gain. And if you think to yourself, that's crazy, we end up giving away money. No, I've met people who came to church because it was a means of financial gain. And so I can remember in Victoria when people would come from Amway and they were sent there by Amway people. And in Amway, they would tell you, look, you know, if you go and join a church, you're going to build relationships with these people and you're going to be able to sell them things. I'm not saying that everybody had that motivation, but there were some people I know who came for that very reason. Some people came here this morning because their parents told them that they had to be here this morning. Robin... No, not her, but there are some others. What's that? The two sitting next to you? Or the one sitting next to you? Some people are here because uh, it's a habit. They didn't know what else to do. They got up on Sunday morning, they thought, it's Sunday, I'm supposed to go to church, and so they did, and it really was just a habitual kind of appointment that they kept. Well, I'm thinking that there are some other reasons why people might be here this morning, some that are a little bit more profound. Like, for example, some of you are here this morning, and it may be just as vague as this, that coming to church and being part of things here allows you access to the divine, access to something spiritual. And you think maybe you could find that elsewhere, but you think you can at least find it here, so you came because there's access to something spiritual. Some of you may have come because there's an understanding about reality, about the universe, about life that you can get here. And so people ask these grand questions like, what is the meaning of life? And then they come here hoping that somebody perhaps will answer that question. Why am I here on this earth? And people come here perhaps asking that question and wondering if there is an answer. Well, I think those kind of move, those last couple of questions move in the direction where I think we're going this morning and what we want to talk about when it comes to spirituality. And I think all of us need to ask and answer the question, what is it that Christianity means for us? Like, why is it that you're here? Why are you here? I think that's an important question and one that shouldn't just go unanswered 
this morning? Well, we, we live in an age where there are millions of, of bytes, megabytes, kilobytes, terabytes, all kinds of bytes, experiences that are available to us, information that comes to us on a constant basis. Some of it gets through and it's not very meaningful. And then some of it gets through and it's incredibly meaningful. And I'd like to think this morning that some of what we do here is going to be meaningful to you as you ask the question of what life is really about and why am I here and why am I right here this morning. And, and here's what I mean as I, as I think we need to ask these kinds of more profound questions. Like have you, for example, ever looked at some kind of mountain vista and mountain scenery and just thought to yourself, this is so beautiful, there must be God. And, and haven't you at times stood somewhere and you were just so moved by what it is that you saw, that you knew that there was something called beauty. And that was, that, there's something there that is beautiful. And it's really hard to tell people what that is. Like, try and describe for a moment what beauty is. What is beauty? Nice colors put together in order? Things arranged in some kind of satisfying visual presentation? It's difficult to define beauty because beauty is something that we perceive and then that we sense, that we feel. There's something that goes on inside us when we recognize that which is beautiful. And the same thing happens, for example, when we look deep into somebody's eyes and there's a connection there between you and that person. When real relationship happens and all of a sudden you go beyond the surface. You can be talking about something just as mundane as could be and all of a sudden something will happen and the conversation turns and all of a sudden you find yourself going deep with that person. And maybe there will be tears or there'll be feelings of anxiety you might start to tremble. Your lower lip might start to shake. Tears will well up in your eyes. And that happens because something is going on that's deeper than just the superficial. A real experience is taking place. And maybe at that moment you'll say to yourself, this person that I'm with right now knows me better than anybody else in the world. And I could share everything that I am and everything that I've done. Everything that will ever happen to me that's important could be shared with this person and they would totally get me. Man, it's a neat experience. Sometimes we have that in groups. Sometimes we have that just with individuals. But when you have something like that happening, you know it and you know that it is special. Have you ever heard a song? You're listening to a song on the radio, and maybe you're distracted by everything around you. And then all of a sudden you stop at a stoplight, and a song comes on the radio, and you suddenly realize that the words and the music in the song, put together in the way that they are, are speaking to your heart. And you think to yourself, man, that's exactly how I feel right now. 
Or maybe you say, that's how I feel about this person. This was the experience that I had yesterday with this person. This song is reflecting exactly what my soul is experiencing. And so the thoughts of your soul come out in music and verse. Have you ever been moved to tears by the kindness of another? Where you saw something that just was so poignant in the act. In this case, by a child. To someone who represents war. And passes along a flower. And we have two different cultures here. People from different parts of the world coming together for a moment of tenderness and care. And when we see that, something happens inside you. I I can't see a photo like that without having profound thoughts. And seeing both the irony and the beauty of the event as a child shares. Have you experienced the miracle of birth firsthand? And I was thinking as I wrote that line, I thought, well, there's at least half of us in here that have for sure. If you're a mother, you've experienced birth firsthand. And then there are fathers who this day and age have had the chance to be in with their wives at the time that they're giving birth. And there is something that happens in that moment. I will never forget the shock, the surprise when the doctor turned the scissors around to me and said, cut right there and he's yours for life. And I was totally blown away. I didn't see that one coming. And there's no way to explain what you feel at that moment. There's something that just is so deep and so profound. This sense of relationship that happens at that moment. It's beyond words. And so you can't really describe the love that occurs between a parent and a child. You can use examples. You can say, I remember when we did this. But the deep feeling itself, those feelings simply run too deep for words. Well, all these kinds of questions and these issues point to a side of life that's always there waiting to be explored, but from which we tend to get distracted by the pressures and responsibilities of life. Perhaps it's hard to explore this side of life just because becoming so vulnerable is hard for us. We've got a guy who does the Lord's Supper this morning, and what did he say? Those things that men aren't supposed to do. He couldn't even bring himself to say the word cry. That'd just be too, that would just be too vulnerable for Gary to say cry. He's a man's man. Have you ever shook Gary Zorn's hands? It's like grabbing a pillow. He's got these great big hands with great big fingers. He's a man's man. And so it's hard for us sometimes to be vulnerable and to express these deep things. But I think that God has created us in a way that he wants us to have that kind of relationship. He wants us to be excited about, intrigued by, going deeper, 
in the things that he's called us to in terms of relationality. And we've been talking about this last few years, this notion of relationality, that God has called us to something special when he's called us to relationship. He's called us to something deep. He wants us to be more than just superficial, shallow, kind of on-the-surface people who come here on Sunday morning and say hello to each other and have no sense of real relationship. He wants something different for us. And what's wonderful is that he wants it not only with between ourselves, but he wants it to happen between ourselves and him. He's created us just exactly in that way. And so watch these words. I keep asking, Paul says, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. Why is the Spirit here? Why does the Spirit come into our lives? So that we might know Him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened. And you get the impression that He's talking again about the ministry of the Spirit. What the Spirit's supposed to do in our lives. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which He has called you. The riches of His glorious inheritance in His holy people and His incomparably great power for us who believe. Well, there's lots of language there about relationality. God wants to be in relationship with us. He wants us to know him better. And if we're not somehow in our lives seeking him at a deeper level than what we know him now, we're missing what God has designed for us to enjoy. He's offered us this great blessing and we let it pass by. And we don't allow the spirit to work within us all the knowledge, the revelation, the wisdom, the connection with him that he wants us to have. Now, sometimes when we read this passage, people get caught up in this question. They want to know, well, how is it that he's going to speak to me? It says that the Spirit is going to give us uh, wisdom and revelation. How does that happen? And, and we know of people sometimes who've, who've come and said, well, I heard God speak. What does that mean? I mean, I don't know about you. I, I don't hear God speak all the time. And I'm not going to say that I've never heard him, but I don't hear God speak to me on a regular basis. Sometimes I want to say to people, how did it sound? Like, was he speaking in Hebrew? Was he speaking in Greek? Could, were you able to understand? How did you know that it was, how did you know that it was his voice and not the this voice inside your head? How did you make that distinction? And I think we have to wrestle with and ask those kinds of questions. I've had people sometimes come to me with what they claimed were words from God that I thought were absolutely absurd. I knew that God wouldn't say those things. And they were so far out of line with scripture and with the history of Christianity and everything that I knew about life in Christ. It just didn't fit at all. But then there are those times when people have come to me and they've said things like, I just, Kelly, think that God is telling me this. And I thought to myself, me too. I think God is telling you that. And I think it's through his Holy Spirit that God sometimes does indeed inform us and speak to us and let us know what it is that he wants us to think and to know ourselves. So I don't want to get too caught up in the question of just how does this happen and trying to somehow reconcile this with my experiences and all of that. What I want to know more than anything else is just the fact that God does indeed speak. That God does indeed reveal that he shows himself to us, whether it happens in scripture or some other way, using people, prophets who come into our lives and say, hey, straighten out your life. Whatever way it is, he wants us to hear him. He wants us to know of him and to know him better.
And so I wouldn't think that the question of how God reveals is near as important as the fact that he does reveal and that he does so through his spirit. And what that does, what it tells me, is that we're not alone. God wants us to know him. He wants us to have those heartfelt moments of connection with him. He wants us to experience the hopefulness in our hearts that comes when we begin to understand how much he loves us and how much he has in store for us between now and life's end. And then how much he has in store for us after the end of this life. And I don't know exactly what relationship with God is going to look like when we enter this realm called heaven. But I know that the outstanding feature of heaven is going to be relationship with him. We're going to be in his presence. And so all we do in this life in terms of relating to God and being one with him, it's all a precursor to what we're going to experience forever. Relationship in this deep connection with God. And I find that exciting. It's moving to think of what it's going to be like in the end. Well, God wants us to experience something of the realities of what is to come. And he wants us to experience some of that now. Many of you were not um, at the funeral yesterday, the memorial for Doreen Holland. Some of you were, uh, many of you were not. One of the beautiful things about Doreen's life was that if you talk to anybody about who she was, she was a person who always had a smile on her face, was always talking about Jesus, was always talking to Jesus, and had this unbelievably developed prayer life so that like every night before she went to bed and a lot of us we've tried this but we end up falling asleep dream was a person who would pray every night before she went to bed and she would name the members of her family and she had she had 13 sisters and three brothers and she would name all the members of her family and remember all her brothers and sisters and all her nieces and nephews and all the grandkids. She would name all of these people every night before she went to bed. And when she got up in the morning, she would do it again. And a person who prays like that, who has that kind of relationship with God, they know God. And it's reflected in everything that they do and say. And so she would walk around and people would see that smile on her face and they would hear the language that she was speaking in her vocabulary. She was simply known by God. It was a different kind of experience than many of us have. But that's what God wants for us. And he wants to give us that through the presence of his spirit. And so she was ready. Doreen was absolutely ready to go. She was only 56 years old but absolutely ready to go and meet Jesus because she had lived her life in preparation for life. And so while she was here, she was enjoying an ongoing relationship with him through his spirit. And so she prayed and studied and talked with him all the time. Well, do we do that? I think we don't. I think we don't enough. I think I don't enough. We go through our days as if we can make decisions on our own. We go through our days as if he isn't really there. Sometimes he just gets pushed aside. And there's so many things that, are, that take precedence. There are so many ways in which I get distracted. Even in my work here, I get distracted from focusing on him in the ways that I would like to. But that's what he wants, is for us to be more focused on him. And his spirit waits 
and wants that to happen. He wants to show us things and to get us excited about the things that he's doing in our world. He wants us to understand what God is doing, understand who God is and his will. He wants us to be wise and pure and be relational with others. He wants us to see that he can change circumstances through his power and that it's not, he's not distant or silent. He wants to search our hearts and find him there through the enlightenment the Spirit brings. Well, how does that happen? It happens first as the Spirit is given to us as we come to Jesus Christ as a our Savior. If you're a Christian today, you've been baptized into Jesus, the Spirit comes to you in a special way. You have your sins forgiven, and then the Spirit comes to you. That's the first major thing that needs to happen. And if you haven't done that, then some of the things I'm talking about today are going to be a mystery to you. They'll be a mystery. What's he talking about? And you can't possibly get it because you haven't taken that step yet in your life. But man, I encourage you to do so. Secondly, it happens as you offer your heart completely to God. I want you to listen to these or watch these words. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And then watch this last line. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now what this says is, is that after this offering of yourself to God, you're going to be in touch with God so much that you're going to understand what his will is. Like, have any of us ever not asked the question, I wonder what God's will is for my life? I wonder what God's will is today? And I think the point is, is that when you come to know him, you don't have to wrestle with that kind of question. At least not at the same extent that you did before. Because you've offered your whole life to him. Your heart is his. And he has become part of you. And there's just some kind of connection there between you and God. You start to understand what his will is. And so I would say, secondly, you've got to offer yourself to God. We come to Jesus Christ and we give ourselves up to him in baptism. But then there needs to be this complete, utter offering of life to God on a regular, constant basis. And when that happens, the renewal of the mind occurs. The renewal of the heart and the life and the spirit takes up residence. In such a way that we understand things like we never have before. And then thirdly, I'd say that this needs to happen through the exercise of the spiritual disciplines. We're going to talk about the spiritual disciplines as we move on through the study of the Holy Spirit. Things like praying and fasting and meditating and giving and serving. um, Studying. All these things need to be part of our lives as those who live out life in the Spirit. If we don't do those things, it shouldn't surprise us if the Spirit isn't very active. If you do do those things, you'll be shocked at how much the Spirit takes up residence and does things. And then fourthly, we grow, we're put in touch with the Spirit. It happens through relationships with other believers. And that's one of the reasons we keep begging people to get into life groups. Because there is a relationship that happens there that God uses to teach us through the presence of His Spirit. The Spirit uses our relationship with other people. So the Spirit uses these activities, these experiences to reveal the Father to us. And if your life does not include time for the spiritual disciplines, time for reflection, time for devotion to God, don't expect Him to override all the distractions and all the messages that you receive. He could, 
He could override them all, but he won't. Because what he wants is for your heart to be offered to him. And when it is, the spirit comes and dwells within us. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the blessing we've received in you. We ask God that you would watch over us this morning and always and help us to give our whole hearts and lives completely to you, God. We praise you for loving us the way that you do. We glory in your name today through Christ. Amen.